The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Delta Airlines, the commercial airline the U.S. military trusts to perform maintenance on its aircraft. Learn more at deltatakingaction.com. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, November 12th. In today's news, House Democrats promise a January hearing to grill Matt Whitaker. Emmanuel Macron trolls President Trump in Paris. And lawsuits are flying from Arizona to Georgia over last week's election results. But first, the big idea. The first ever recount in three statewide races in Florida kicked off in earnest Sunday on a contentious note. Republican Governor Rick Scott sharpened his attacks on his opponent in the razor-tight U.S. Senate race, and he filed a new round of lawsuits against Democratic election officials. Scott accused Senator Bill Nelson, the Democrat who he ran against, of trying to commit fraud to win the election, and his campaign filed suit against Brenda Snipes and Susan Butcher, the election supervisors in Broward and Palm Beach counties, two Democratic strongholds. Democrats called it desperation by a candidate sitting on a precarious vote lead, and state officials stressed that they have found no evidence of criminal conduct. Scott told me in an interview on Sunday that he's building his Senate office staff and preparing to come to D.C. for new member orientation. He's talking with Mitch McConnell about what committees he might sit on. He's the rare freshman who comes in as longtime friends with Mitch McConnell, who he's known since the 90s. And he has a good relationship with Trump, whose Mar-a-Lago club is in the Sunshine State. In the Senate contest, though, Scott's lead over Nelson has narrowed to 12,562 votes. That's out of more than 8 million ballots cast. It's a margin of 0.15%. State law mandates a machine recount if the margin is less than half a percentage point. Scott notes that no recount has ever awarded someone more than 12,000 new votes. When pressed on his fraud claim, Scott referred to a lawsuit Nelson has filed to re-examine ballots with signature issues. He also mentioned an incident which was first reported by conservative media in which a lawyer claiming to represent Nelson objected during a public hearing to tossing out a provisional ballot from a non-citizen. Nelson's recount attorney, Mark Elias, said in a statement that the lawyer at the meeting in Palm Beach County was not someone who was authorized to make such an objection and that non-citizens cannot and should not vote in U.S. elections. Election administrators are racing against the clock now to finish the machine recount ahead of a Thursday deadline to present their findings. If the current margin in the Senate race holds, it would be slim enough to trigger a hand recount. In that scenario, officials would have only three days to personally inspect every ballot with an overvote or an undervote. Those are ballots on which the voter selected no candidate or more than one candidate in the race. So you might have voted for governor, but not Senate, or Senate, but not governor. This could spark a lot of disputes over whether the voter intended to mark the ballot this way or not. In Broward County, which is where a lot of these fights are taking place, the ballot design is confusing. There are a lot of echoes to the 2000 recount when George W. Bush was narrowly declared the winner. And it seems Florida hasn't learned a lot of lessons since then. The governor's race is also tightened with Ron DeSantis, a staunch ally of President Trump, ahead of Tallahassee Mayor Andrew Gillum, who would be the state's first African-American governor, by 0.41%. If that holds, the margin would fall short of the 0.25% threshold for a more involved hand recount. There remains plenty of uncertainty about the path forward. My colleagues Sean Sullivan, Beth Reinhardt, and Felicia Sonmez are on the ground in the state. There are new legal disputes that could slow the pace of the proceedings. 
A lawsuit filed by Nelson, for example, seeks another look at absentee and provisional ballots with signatures that don't match voter registration records. That will be heard by a federal judge this week, and it could have a major impact on the election's outcome. So lots of drama to continue to monitor down in Florida. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, there's litigation and other uncalled races that's worth noting as well. Democrat Kirsten Sinema has widened her lead in the Arizona Senate race as hundreds of thousands of ballots remain uncounted. As of Sunday evening, she now has a one and a half percentage point lead. Her campaign expressed confidence that that lead is insurmountable by Republican Martha McSally. Meanwhile, some GOP officials have suggested that the Maricopa County Recorder, uh, this is the county that includes Phoenix, the most populous in the state, was, quote, cooking the books in favor of Democrats. One of the officials making these unfounded claims with no evidence to back up was Senator Cory Gardner of Colorado. He's the chairman of the NRSC, and he appeared on two Sunday shows to say that the books were being cooked, but he couldn't give any evidence when pressed. Outgoing Arizona Senator Jeff Flake criticized the NRSC for making those claims of fraud, slamming the committee's press secretary in a tweet. And in Georgia, Democrat Stacey Abrams has filed a new lawsuit to try to force a runoff in the governor's race. The Abrams campaign lawsuit filed Sunday seeks to stop two large Democratic-leaning jurisdictions from rejecting absentee ballots in which voters have made only minor mistakes. The campaign argues that the county should try to get in touch with voters and fix the problems rather than just throwing out the ballots. It's a pretty unusual ask. Republican Brian Kemp's lead in the race has narrowed since Tuesday, but he's still above the 50 percent threshold required to avoid a head-to-head rematch next month. Abrams would need to find more than 21,700 additional votes to force a runoff. So Brian Kemp looks well positioned at this point, unless there's an adverse ruling for him in the courts. Number two, among those who were actually elected, for sure, senior House Democrats indicated Sunday that their top oversight priority in January will be looking into the circumstances behind the termination of Jeff Sessions. Congressman Jerry Nadler of New York, who's poised to take control of the House Judiciary Committee, said he will call Acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker as the first witness to testify under his leadership. He says he will press Whitaker about his expressed hostility to special counsel Bob Mueller's Russia investigation. Nadler said he's prepared to subpoena Whitaker if he doesn't voluntarily appear. Meanwhile, Congressman Adam Schiff, the Democrat from California, who's the incoming chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, promised to investigate whether Trump has, quote, used the instruments of state power in an effort to punish companies associated with news outlets that have reported critically on him, including CNN and The Washington Post. House Democrats have also requested records from the Trump Organization to begin probing Trump's hush money payments to women who he allegedly had affairs with. That will open up the president's finances to further scrutiny. Number three, Trump's relatively subdued visit to Paris over the weekend to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the end of World War I still managed to spark controversy. Trump didn't throw any sharp elbows at his peers, but he looked uncomfortable and listless throughout the trip, including during a bilateral sit-down with Prime Minister Emmanuel Macron. Trump didn't show for a scheduled tour of a military cemetery for Americans where other world leaders publicly paid homage to those who died on the battlefield. The White House blamed rain. Instead, the president holed up at the U.S. ambassador's residence, announcing that he spent a few hours making calls and attending meetings, but never offering to whom or about what. On Sunday, Trump arrived separately from the 60 other world leaders at a remembrance ceremony at the Arc de Triomphe 
In his speech, Macron issued a strong denunciation of nationalism. It was very clear that he was speaking to Trump and Russian President Vladimir Putin, who was also there. Macron said, quote, patriotism is exactly the opposite of nationalism. Trump sat stone-faced while he spoke. Macron's speech was full of literary allusions, including quotes from French poets who served and died in World War I. He also made a subtle reference to a well-known 1927 French book that decried the elites at the time, who embraced reactionary, nationalistic ideologies at the expense of a rational consensus. Macron said history will remember the image of multiple world leaders whose countries were once at war, gathered in peace a century later under the Ark. The question, he said, was how that image will be interpreted. Will it be the symbol of a durable peace among nations? Or on the contrary, a photograph of a final moment of unity? before the world descends into a new disorder. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, November 12th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.